For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to The Call-Up, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. I'm Aram Layton. He's Jack McMullen, and we've got part two of this long top 100 breakdown. We're going from 100 all the way to one. If you missed the last episode, we went from 100 to 86. Now we're going to go from 85 to 71, time-dependent. If we're, if we're flying, if, we're, if we feel like we're under the hour mark, We'll keep going, but once we get right to the hour mark, we'll probably call it there. We're going to try to you know, keep these episodes from going too, too long. And if we yeah. get an extra episode out of it, that's just fine. As our listeners know, Jack, you and I have the tendency to go a little bit long, especially on these types of things. No, really? <laughs> uh, occasionally. Uh, yeah, man, I, I'm excited. I mean, we the the running joke last year when we did this, and we, I think we went 20 by 20 was, hey, this batch is better than the batch before because we <laughs> count down towards one. So I'm going to save the corny shit like we don't have to say that every time. But, you know, we start with a, a great big leaguer and then we've got great, relatively speaking, like so far he's off to a great start uh, in his major league career. But, you know, then we get to, to some young guys and we've got guys with electric fastballs on here and we've got mashers on here. Um, my favorite thing about this kind of list is, you know, you've got a bat to ball oriented guy going up against a power right hander going up against a left handed slug. Like <laughs> what a weird thing to bounce back and forth in and, and our minds work like that so i'm excited for 15 more of just bouncing all around different types of ball players and the thing is they can look a bunch of different ways they're all really freaking good at baseball but i do have some terrible news to open the podcast i'm sorry what are what's the terrible news peeling back the curtain um the coconut and almond milk vanilla creamer from trader joe's is unfortunately mid it's not good is that what you're not drinking good. right now Okay. Yeah, it's not good. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, and that's not a sponsored uh, plug right there. Obviously, it's the opposite of it. But <laughs> yeah, uh, don't and also, <laughs> if you're enjoying if you're enjoying the top 100, you can uh, or are enjoying the breakdown so far. Reminder that the link is in the podcast description. Uh, and also a reminder not to try that coconut creamer that Jack is forcing down right now to try to give himself a little spark. I need the but, caffeine. 
And <laughs> <laughs> me too. Uh, but getting into 85 here before we get there also, if you could leave a rating, help us grow this show, subscribe to our YouTube, that would be awesome. And again, full write-ups to follow along if you are you know, not on your commute, if you're not driving, if you're not you know, walking down the street, which I know a lot of people listen to podcasts that way, uh, follow along with the list so you can kind of see what we're looking at and look at all the individual grades. We'll, we'll kind of highlight the standout grades. And I think something we should start doing as we go through the rest of these players, Jack, is uh, maybe highlight their best tool. Um, yeah. I don't think we're going to go through and say, like, his hit tool is this, his power is this, his fielding is this. We'll obviously talk about what, they, what they're good at and, and, and give the, the scope, but I thought it would be helpful to talk about what their best tool will be. And then if you want to see all the other grades, you can check that out you know, as we get rolling. But for those on YouTube, follow along. We've got it right here. Uh, and we start with 85, James Outman, which is a really hard player to rank here, right? Because Los Angeles Dodgers outfielder, really good numbers in the minor leagues, especially over the last year or so. Uh, I would say the last two full seasons, we've seen something change. His swing adjusted. Uh, he, he started to tap into more power. The athleticism's always been there. Uh, and he's a guy that that looks really good. He just looks really, really solid. I, I was buying what Outman was selling to the degree of the power tick up because you saw the exit velocities, you know, backing that up rather than just saying, oh, it's the PCL. What I wasn't sure was how that would translate in terms of consistency, in terms of kind of a fringy hit tool, how that would look at the big league level. Uh, you, you were very sold. You were even higher on him than, than I was going into his big league stint, Jack, and, and you're looking really good right now. Uh, I saw a platoon guy, to be honest, but, but a, a bulk platoon guy who can play all three outfield spots, which was just outside of the top 100 list. This is one of the few guys that based on what he did in spring training, based on what he's done in the early part of this year, it's too hard to deny what we're seeing right now beyond with the batty, his back could stall out, but it's the athleticism. It's the impact. The approach is pretty good. There's going to be whiff, uh, but I wanted to highlight and be honest here. This is probably one of the only guys that might've been right on the outside looking in and vaulted his way up based on a small sample size here, because that small sample size was in the major leagues and it's after he has done it for a while in the upper minors. And we were curious how it was going to translate the way he's commanded his at bats, man. It seems like it's translating. Yeah, man. I mean, he is an incredibly tooled up player. And I said that on the just baseball show and I felt like I was objectifying him, right? Like, Oh, the guy is so tools, like he's so (laughs) tooled up. Uh, But Altman, I I got my first glimpse at him in 2021 in high a, and he was, I mean, he's a Sacramento state guy. And he was with the Dodgers high affiliate in Great Lakes. So this is the non-hitter friendly environment. The air is a little bit thicker in the Midwest in Midland, Michigan. And, and he's 24 years old. He's a year and a half older than the average hitter at the high A level when I see him in 21. And sometimes you just got to throw that aside. You know, you see a 24 year old in high A and you say, oh, I mean, this guy like you know, his prospect years are behind him and he was on the back end of some top 30 lists on, on pipeline and fan graphs and all that stuff. But what I saw was a guy that was so powerful, so fast, so athletic. It's hard not to dream on a guy like that. Don't care if he's 26. Don't care if he's 19, man. Yeah. And in 104 games in 21, he had 18 homers. He was 23 for 27 in the stolen base department. So how can he create a more valuable version of himself by having the speed tick down a teensy bit 
and having the power jump in a hitter-friendly environment. That's what he did last year, man. 125 games between double and triple. Pretty much split the year half and half. 31 doubles, 31 homers, 106 driven in. He was one of the best run producers in minor league baseball. And he still stole 13 bags on 17 tries. So this is a guy that I don't think is a 2020 threat anymore, but he's a really good athlete that has the ability to hit 25 homers. And, and if you see what I'm highlighting right here, to your point, uh, for those watching, but for those listening, I'll read it to you. In the write-up, I mentioned Outman has seen his 90th percentile exit velocity rise each season. His 107-mile-per-hour mark last year was one of the highest in the Dodgers organization. So the Dodgers were always higher on this guy. I think that's very clear. He wouldn't have had this opportunity to, to force his way up to the big leagues. And when I say always, I mean the last two years maybe. I think they knew that this is a guy that might have a chance to force his way into the plans of, of what they're doing. And I think it's part of the reason why we didn't see them too aggressively address center field, because clearly you know, they feel pretty good about what he is doing. There is some whiff here, and, and I think that that's something we're not seeing yet. Um, there's going to be some ebbs and flows of, of the swing and miss. There's a lot of in-zone whiff even so far this season. Uh, which I think is worth noting. That's okay if you have a good approach, which Outman continues to show a better and better approach. He has he does not chase like at all. Sub twenty percent chase rate last year in the big league so far, even lower than that. So for me, he he can be a guy that doesn't expand the zone. Sure, he's going to swing and miss through some fastballs, but it's a low swing rate. I think thirty seven percent swing rate so far this season. Like that will hedge hit tool concerns, and then when you hit the shit out of the ball, that will also hedge that. He's going to walk. He's going to hit homers. He's going to give you speed, and he's going to give you just a, a dynamic skill set at all three outfield spots. Even when he's slumping, you're getting the ability to play all three spots. You're getting walks, and he's still going to run into mistakes. That, to me, raises Outman's floor. Uh, but, you know, the, again, there's go- he, I don't think he's ever going to hit for average. I know he's off to a great start in that regard. Yeah. I think it's important to temper those expectations a little bit, and that's why he's not higher. Because I know people are looking and saying, oh, he's running away with the rookie of the year in the early going, right? Like, uh, you know, he's, he looks like one of the best rookies. Yes. But I do think that there's going to be some ebbs and flows there. That said, he's going to be a productive big leaguer for a long time. Yeah, 100%, man. And, I mean, he's hitting 290 right now. But y- you mentioned he walks. He's got a 440 OBP in his first 13 games this yeah. year. Uh, he's got an 1122 OPS because he's got three triples, holy shit, and yeah. three homers with 10 driven in. He's also got two bags already. Um, good listener of uh, shows across the Just Baseball Network and uh, a, a guy that covers both the Orioles and the Nats for Masson, Brendan Mortensen, a friend of mine from Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Um, he, we were texting about Outman in a group chat yesterday, and he said he's not getting out very much, man. <laughs> so I, I really appreciated that one. Oh, and that makes one of us. Um, no, I, I, <laughs> Brendan's been great. I've been loving the content he's been putting out there um, for Masson. But let's get to 84, where we got Brian Rocchio, shortstop, Cleveland Guardians. Rokio had a nice game yesterday, actually, as we're recording this. I'm pretty sure he had three hits uh, in what was a Tanner Bybee start. That We'll talk about Bybee, by the way. Bybee was disgusting last outing, 99.4 miles per hour that fastball topped out at. But we're going to talk about his teammate, Rokio, here. And Brian Rokio, this is a really high four, dude. Um, and I think it's that simple. And another guy that's really young, 
for the level of experience that he has at the upper levels, right? So this is somebody that really, I don't know what the ceiling looks like, but at the same time, he's a 22-year-old who now has had some success in AAA. And I think that says a lot and has had plenty of success at the upper levels. He's a switch hitter with decent speed, great defender. Uh, The power is fringy, to say the least, but he can spray the ball all over. He'll sneak some balls out. Um, I think the hit tool is really trending towards plus. He was an 85% zone contact guy last year. Decent approach, good swing decisions. But so far this season, small sample size, but he has been spectacular. I think he's hitting 370? 375, yeah. yeah. Like, geez. And, and the zone contact rate is right around 90%. Small sample size, but again, it's something worth monitoring, and it's something that he has continued to be good at. Uh, ceiling might be a little bit limited, but he's hitting the ball a bit harder. I, I could see him heading down an Andres Jimenez-type path and just continuing to mature and, and be that little bit of a later bloomer to hit that next stride. Uh, but I think he's a little bit more limited in terms of the upside. Great shot at being an above average regular short though. Yeah. I was going to say, do you think the Andres Jimenez 2022 season is within even like dreaming distance for Rokio? I don't think so. Was it, was it within dreaming distance for Andres Jimenez three years ago? Yeah, years like ago? good point. You know, like <laughs> nobody said Andres Jimenez was a six-win player at any moment except Andres Jimenez, and then all of a sudden he shows it in 2022. So, like, yeah, the defense can boost Rokio to flirt with that if he does hit 300. Jimenez did show enough power, though. I'm not sure if Rokio has that. You've got yeah. 45 future on the game power. Um, yeah. But, I mean, like, Yesterday, man, it was a drubbing in Worcester, 16 to 1. He went three for five with five driven in and a double. So, like, Rokio, I I think, is a great six or seven hitting shortstop. And I think that's a top 100 prospect, a six or seven hitting shortstop. 100%. So, to your point, Jimenez, more impact. I I even just looked it up real quick of, like, what his, his 90th percentile was back in when he was 22. It was a tick above or maybe two ticks above. But... Rokio's contact rates and chase rates much better. So, so th- that that's something that stands out to me because Rokio is a, probably a safer bat, which is crazy to say g- compared to what Jimenez was at that stage as a prospect. Obviously, Jimenez has hit this stride, and not every player makes that kind of leap. Uh, but I, I look at Rokio, good defensive shortstop, switch hitter. Uh, and I really do believe the field to hit at the very least is going to make him an average or slightly above average big league hitter. Um, you just you just so many teams would kill for a Brian Rocchio. Uh, the Marlins being one, my 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 Miami Marlins would kill for a prospect like Brian Rocchio. Um, and he's just 22 years old. So maybe he grows into a little bit more juice. He doesn't need to, though, to be productive because of the approach. That's the thing, man. You say he's 22. Like, this guy's going to be great when he's 32. This guy's going to be great when he's 35, I think. Mm-hmm. I, y- You see, hear me out, you see Brandon Crawford. Because, like, so much of the conversation surrounding Brandon Crawford is, okay, this guy overcame, you know, some some talent shortcomings by being the smartest player on the field at all times. And, like, that has been the word on Rokio since he was 18 years yeah. old. He's the smartest player on the field at all times. So, Rokio, if he does that, 
he will overcome some physical shortcomings that he may have compared to some other alien life forms like Ellie de la Cruz. So he may not be the gifted shortstop, but he'll be the smart shortstop. Yeah. And he can survive a decade at the big league level in that. Also, you know, you could hear limited impact in Rokio and say, wait, like he had a decent power output last year. 18 homers between Akron and Columbus. Both those places are band boxes. I get it. It's not California. It's not like Amarillo. But you have to note, like that ballpark in Columbus, that ballpark in Akron, the ball gets out really quickly there. So take those with a grain of salt. Yeah, I, that's a good point. And, and I will say, though, the power to his pull side could be average or, or or fringe average. And if you have that with the hit tool, he's in good shape. So it should be it should be fun to see how that develops. But the good news is he doesn't really need that to be a good everyday shortstop at the big league level. Next up, number 83, Henry Davis catching prospect Pittsburgh Pirates. This is a tough one. I'm excited to get kind of your thoughts on this, Jack. This was one of the harder guys to rank on this list because Henry Davis was, you know, Mr. 1-1. He was the number one overall pick in the 2021 draft. And for good reason, this guy was one of the better offensive players in all of college baseball at Louisville, which has been a a pipeline for high-end catching talent while also showing some interesting tools behind the dish, including a a plus-plus arm. Injuries have held Henry Davis back a little bit. An unorthodox swing has has made him a little bit more polarizing, but, you know, that was something that was was noted when he was playing at Louisville, and then he put up better numbers than even Joey Bart did when he went number two overall, and, you know, then put up better numbers than a lot of top prospects. And I think it became difficult to, you know, refute the swing. Then we even saw him go to pro ball and in stretches when he was healthy, the swing didn't seem to be an issue. Made a ton of contact, hit the ball very hard. Uh, The issue is kind of staying on the field. But then also, as we've seen him face more advanced pitching, now we've seen a little bit more swing and miss. So far off to a pretty good start to the season. My concern is if the defense doesn't progress the way that we hope, and the bat is is solid. Does this guy look like the type of player that can play another position? Like, there's a lot of variables here beyond the health. And uh, that said, solid power, good feel to hit. Um, he has the potential to be an above average hitter with plus power. You, you find a spot for that guy, even if he can't catch. If he can catch, he's a way better than the 83rd prospect in baseball. But between the health, between some of the questions on both sides of the ball. It was just too hard for me to have many higher than 83. Yeah, I mean, the Pirates are in a really weird spot right now because they have two top 100 catchers, right? They've got, and if you combine these two guys, you probably have the perfect baseball player in Andy Rodriguez and Henry Davis because what Davis does behind the plate Andy does like at a lower level, but what Andy excels at defensively, Davis really like flounders defensively at. Like Andy Davis is, or Andy, ugh, I just combined the two. I'm trying to create this. You're trying to combine them. Yeah. Andy Rodriguez is a great receiver. Yeah. Henry Davis is not a great receiver, but Henry Davis has one of the strongest arms behind the plate that you will find in minor league baseball. Oh, yeah. That honestly makes me feel good about Henry Davis because ABS, the automatic ball strike system is coming to AAA and more likely than not, it's coming to major league baseball in the next two or three years. 
um, framing. It's not going to be like a moot point, but, you know, technically speaking, it will. Uh, I think that catchers can cheat a little bit to, to get to that hose. And I think that Henry Davis will be able to survive because framing won't mean much anymore in a couple of years. So that's why I kind of like the staying power. But also, I think if one guy should move from behind the plate, it's probably Davis and not yeah. Andy Rodriguez. The thing with Davis, though, too, I guess, you know, you can move him to first if, if he doesn't catch. And, and the bat is the, is, the, is the calling card here regardless, right? And I think that's why you're okay with drafting him. Uh, 90th percentile of 105 last year. He hits the ball really hard. I, I liked what I saw from him in the in the Arizona Fall League, too, when he took batting practice. Very athletic hitter. Uh, the way his lower half works is, is really impressive. He, he, he is very mobile. Uh, with his swing and and very unorthodox and in, in a good way with the way he's able to kind of move his body throughout the swing and the lower half adjustability that he has, his his power might be slightly slightly overblown. I think like I've seen seventy grades on the raw. I think it's it's, it's just plus uh, plus is great, but I don't think it's it's seventy. Um, but I do also think that the hit tool deserves a little bit more respect. I think there's a, a fifty five future on the hit tool. So. There's just a lot to find out about Henry Davis still that we haven't found out because of injuries. And that's why I'm a little bit lower on him. It's not that I don't think he can be great. I just need to find more out. Uh, and, and this is coming from someone that that has seen him probably. I've probably seen him more than I've seen some of the other guys on this list. And I still feel like I don't know him as well. So that that's kind of where I'm at on Davis at this point. So how do you feel? You said you, you're seeing a bit more swing and miss as he sees better pitching. Starting the year, 25 plate appearances through his first five games. He's got three punch outs. No, so he's off to a great start. He's off to a great start. And, and this is a guy that like, okay, in surprise, in the Arizona Fall League, he, he punched out a bit more than I guess you were expecting him to. He struck out a bit more in double A last year than you were expecting him to. Um, so I, I guess my question is, what do you think a realistic strikeout rate for him is at the major league level? Because right now we're seeing high teens, low 20s. Do you think yeah. it's there? I, I think I think that, you know, at this stage right now, if you like brought him up to the big leagues, obviously, like based on what, what we're seeing from that high teens, low 20s, it would jump to mid, mid 20s. The reason why I think it's going to stay in the in the low 20s at the big league level is what I see with Davis right now, it's funny. I, I was I was looking at his timing. His his loading mechanism is, is a little interesting. He looks rushed sometimes, and and fastballs have, have kind of gone on him a little too quick. And then he cheats for the fastball a little bit, and then you get that slider that that gets him. He has seen way more sliders as the season went on, and then so far this season, the scouting report has said throw him a ton of sliders. He's seen more sliders than fastballs this year. The difference is he's laying off of them. Uh, so I, I think he's already making those adjustments. And if he's not as rushed and starts making better swing decisions, then I think we could see that strikeout rate right around 18 to 22%, which is money with, you know, plus power and, you know, what he's able to do with the stick. So uh, I, I think regardless, Davis is going to hit enough to be a big leaguer. It's just, is he a catcher? Is he a first baseman? Uh, is he going to stay healthy? Uh, there's a few different questions that kind of go into that. Is he a catcher or first baseman? No reasoning behind it. Just say it and move on. I think I think he can figure it out behind the dish. Okay. Next up, Sedan Rafaela, Boston Red Sox. Man, was this a fun dive jack outfielder, right? And one of the better defensive outfielders in the minor leagues. But do you know this guy can pick it at short too? 
Yeah. And when I mean pick, like he can pick it. The only reason why he doesn't grade as a plus defender at shortstop is his arm. He would have been, I would have had in the TLDR uh, plus defender at multiple positions. Unfortunately, the arm is b- below average. If the arm was average, his footwork, his actions, his athleticism and range at shortstop is spectacular. I was sending our, our buddy Colby Olson, host of uh, the Just Fantasy Show, which you should definitely check out. He does that with Clay Snowden. They have been crushing it. Uh, but Colby's a big Red Sox fan. And I was sending him shortstop clips of Sedan Rafaela. I was like, dude, this guy is insane. Um, the fact that he can even play there in a pinch is a testament to his athleticism. The big thing that has stood out with Rafaela is the bat continues to get better. He's an aggressive hitter uh, that, you know, there's definitely some risk to the bat. But what I love about him is he hedges that risk by being like, at worst, a super utility guy with his speed, with his versatility and with his impact on the defensive end, you know, in, in so many different ways. This is a guy that's going to be a valuable piece one way or another. 22 years old. He's off to a bit of a slow start in the early going this year. But this guy can can potentially be an above average bat as well. If he's able to be an above average bat with the with the glove that he has and the speed that he has, this guy could be a force and and a really valuable piece to the Boston Red Sox. He's a stat sheet stuffer. Like you just take a look at what he does on a season and he's going to accumulate everywhere except the walk department. But who cares? Because walks are boring. Don't give a shit. I need walks. <laughs> I know you need walks. Rafaela last year played 780 innings in center. He played 180 innings at short. He had 99 chances at shortstop. He made two errors at short. That's a high efficiency shortstop that A, can get to a ton of balls. I mean, you mentioned the range is totally there, but he's, you know, a, as close to, I don't know, like an elite execution guy at short as you've got. And plus, he's an excellent defensive center fielder. But by stat sheet stuffer, split the year last year between high A and double in the Red Sox system. 116 games, 32 doubles, 10 triples, 21 homers, 86 driven in, 28 bags. He hit 300. Like, dude. All he needs is an approach. That's it. He's got a good feel to hit and he's aggressive. Like you mentioned the walks. He didn't even have to walk that much more. Just stop chasing. His chase rate borders on 40%. The fact that he did all of those things that you just said while bordering on a 40% chase rate as a 21-year-old at those levels is a testament to how good of a, of a hitter he is. Cut the swing rate down from 53%, and you've got probably at least an average hitter. If he's an average hitter, average power, elite speed, and just kind of a knack to hit, so it would probably be closer to above average bat. And his defense, this guy's going to be really fun to watch. I thought he was a fake name when he was initially named the Futures game. Because you see this, and it's like, who is this guy? And then all of a sudden, you dive It's like some auto-generated MLB The Show name. Yeah, and then like all of a sudden, you dive in, and it's like, wow, Sedan Rafaela might be him with the capital H. He is. He is. To me, kind of a Kike Hernandez starter kit. But I actually think he could be Kike Hernandez. So like that that's a pretty good baseball player. I I think he can be – I think he can be more of a game wrecker than Kike Hernandez. Sure, sure. Uh, like, and I'm saying like a healthy Kike who 
had that really nice season with the Red Sox. You know, I'm yeah. not saying having the whole career arc, but when when it was all right for Kike, he was a what was it, four and a half win player playing center field and a little I bit of shortstop so. and stealing bags and running into some home runs. Like that's what I think Rafaela can be. And I, I think Red Sox fans would be thrilled with that uh, and to be able to get that from him. Just please, 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 please cut down on the chase rate, please. And, and he'll be in great shape. 81, one of my favorite breakout guys for this year because I, he was a breakout for guy for me last year. And typically when I have a breakout guy that doesn't totally break out, then it happens the next year. It just never fails with that. It, it just always seems to happen, always being that, that year early. Kobe Mayo, third baseman with the Baltimore Orioles organization. Mayo is really fun, man. I, I really do think that Kobe Mayo is going to have a big, big season this year. 6'5", 205 pounds, big-time power potential, and a way better field to hit than you'd expect. You can see the grades here where we've got 45 present, 55 future on the hit tool. His best tool is the power, which is plus and, and could you know border on, on above that. Uh, his defense at third is is solid. I think he gets a little bit, you know, too much of a, a hard time there. I think he's getting better and better. Uh, but it's it's going to be all about the bat for him. And what's funny is he reminds me a lot of Ryan Mountcastle. I, I think he could be very similar to Ryan Mountcastle and have a very similar type of trajectory. Uh, the power is is really potentially game changing. Yeah, I, Mayo is a huge human. Like six five, he, he's two thirty now. Um, so Mayo, I mean, is just an objectively big, big dude. And the thing is, there's so much traffic above him in Norfolk and in Baltimore. Mayo last year, 68 games in Aberdeen, which is the high affiliate, and then 34 games in Bowie, which is double. Uh, he started in double. He may stay in double for the entire year. He's 21 years old. Like, that's no problem if he stays in double for the entire year. And, and if you can get comfortable at a level that you already played over a month at last year, I think that this guy can have a great, great season. 28 plate appearances in six games. He's off to a pretty slow start, five hits in 28 plate appearances. But he already has a double and a homer. Um, He's striking out a little bit less than a quarter of a time. So you like what he can do with the bat. And that big of a guy at that young of an age, you you think he can pop out a 25, 30 homer season at, at the double A level. To show you how how slow offense is to start the year in the minors and specifically in certain leagues, you mentioned Mayo's numbers, 208, 321, 375 slash line through his first six games. That's a 101 WRC+. plus. No. So that's 1% above average. So, of course, you want better from Mayo. You want more from Mayo. But it puts in perspective a little bit. That's why that's when I really love WRC+. plus. Puts in perspective what everybody else is doing and make, make sure that you're comparing apples to apples. But I, I do think that this is somebody that his swing is so simple, man. And the power that he's able to produce with such a – it's just a toe tap and go. And he put up 112, uh, I think, as a max exit velocity last year as a 20-year-old. And there's more in the tank. He talked about how he continues to fill out. This guy's going to tap into potentially plus-plus raw power. Uh, and that, that would be a, a grade I'd be happy to adjust in, in the coming weeks or coming months. Moving on to number 80, another guy who could easily tap into plus-plus raw power and one of the higher ceiling prospects you're going to find in the back half of the top 100, Kevin Alcantara. Is it Alcantara? Alcantara. Everyone, I think it's I, Alcantara. Yeah, that's that's how I talk about Sandy, but I've heard some others go by Alcantara. I don't know. But Kevin Alcantara. 
Kevin Alcantara, (laughs) outfielder of the Chicago Cubs organization, came over in the Anthony Rizzo deal. And this guy could be really special, but there's obviously some risk when you have a 6'6 center fielder. But what we're seeing is there's more prospects with that profile that are hitting enough. And Alcantara's been hitting enough he's off to a slow start this year i think that's going to be a trend you'll notice we're saying that about a lot of guys so again you got to kind of take it with a grain of salt had a pretty solid year in low a last year he's still 20 years old um still has plenty of time to kind of figure things out but my concern is a swing can maybe be a little bit long his levers are very long as a result he you know makes earlier decisions those earlier decisions tend to be wrong his chase rates are above 30 percent Zone contact was around 77%. He's, to me, very high risk, obviously very high reward with the speed and the power uh, that he brings to the table. Uh, but I do feel like others have you know him way ahead of you know Owen Casey and some of the other names in this system. I don't know if I agree with that, but I am still a big fan of, of Alcantara, and I think he's got monster upside which is enough to have him you know in this 80 range of the top 100 yeah uh elite headshot from kevin alcantara if you're joining us on oh one of my favorites i think i sent that in recently elite headshot he's got the hat that is like three sizes too big to account for the hair that's stacked on top if you remember lonnie walker on draft that's exactly what i was thinking of was lonnie walker's hat six feet above his head yeah lonnie walker i mean he just like rested his hat on top of his lock so that's what alcantara is doing um listen kevin alcantara is like he's built like the guy that can break out like that right and and Mm -hmm. be that huge skinny guy that hits the ball a million miles an hour a la o'neill cruz a la ellie de la cruz uh, and I think that that's the kind of freakazoid that, you know, you're looking at here, right? Yes, 100%. I mean, we, we saw him hit two balls already 112 miles an hour last year as a teenager, as a 19-year-old. Yeah. You just got, actually, he he maxed out at 113 last year. That's you, you, elite power potential. You think his frame is conducive to running? Obviously, we see it with O'Neal Cruz. We see it with Ellie. Do you think that he can be a base stealer? Yeah, I do. I do. He's an above average runner, man. And it's it's about the some guys don't get to the top speed as quickly. Like he doesn't get to the top speed as quickly as Ellie and O'Neal, but I think it still is. I, I do think it's it's conducive to stolen bases. I mean that that could be a part of his game that would really help as well. And uh it it's just for me it's the hit tool question. You see 35 present, 50 future. I can see the potential for for a 50. I could see the potential for an average hit tool, but he's just still a full notch away from that, you know? Yeah. But I'm very excited for him. Huge upside, could hit 35 homers and steal 20 bags if it all works out. But with how far off he is, that's why we have him a little bit further down here on the list. He's still one to be very excited about if you're a Cubs fan. He's 20 years old in high A. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So just give the man a second, right? Yeah. 79. Matthew Libertor, who did it again the other night, man. He did it again. 10K, seven innings. This St. Louis Cardinals pitching prospect should be up ASAP, not only because of how he's pitching, but because of what that big league rotation is. We talk about it on the Just Baseball show all the time. Cardinals are off to a brutal start, and I think that Matthew Libertor is going to be one of the, the prospects that they bring up in hope of igniting uh, something. 
within that team right now. That just doesn't look great. And Libby's dealt with some prospect fatigue. Another guy that's 23 in triple, but now that it's his third stint in triple, we feel like, oh, why is he not in the big leagues by now? Blah, blah, blah. Like last year was definitely a frustrating season, but it was also a season that led to him having this hot start. He figured things out. The struggles helped him get to where he is now, which is a guy that knows how he is most effective. It's forcing fastball at the top of the zone. It's sinker and other counts where he wants to get the ground ball. It's a tick up in the fastball too, which obviously helps when you're, you know, touching 97, 98, which he never did before. And then the curveball that we used to talk about that was so loopy uh, and, and really was like frustrating at times because it was just too easy to spit on as a hitter is now instead of 72, 73, it's 75, 76 with 20 inches of vertical break. That is much harder to lay off of, especially when you got to worry about a four seam fastball that has more ride than it ever has. He's limited the horizontal movement. So instead of it being more of a dead zone fastball, it's more of a riding fastball. And then you've got the hammer tunneling off of that. He's got more confidence with the slider. The changeup is a fine fourth pitch. This guy looks like a complete southpaw that can anchor the back of your rotation and might even have number three upside if his stuff continues to be this good. The command has been great as well. It's so funny how hot and cold we are on Liberator. Yep. It's insane, but like we're we're back, man. We're 24 back. punch outs, seven walks, and 17 innings so far. 10 hits in 17 innings is the thing that jumps out to me. And like, you know, we're in the business of run prevention. And you look at what he did in Memphis last year. 5.17 ERA in 22 starts. In three starts, he has a 106. All right. Like, okay, ERA, obviously a massive, massive thing. Don't care what anybody says there. But, you know, you look at hits per nine. In Memphis last year in 115 innings, he was allowing 9.2 hits per nine. It was 118 hits in 115 innings. 10 hits in 17 innings. This guy is doing a really good job of limiting base runners. The whip speaks to that. It's down almost half a point. Like it was 1.4 last year. It's one flat right now. He's allowed 17 base runners in 17 innings. So Liberatore is a guy that I think the narrative has changed because the curveball has changed. And you mentioned that he tightened it up. It looks better. What would you have graded the curveball last year? The loopy curveball, 45, a 50? It was, it was still, it was still a 50 because it didn't get hit. It just didn't get the chase that you'd want to see. And what's okay. funny is it was probably a 50, though, because he still got whiffs enough, and especially in the zone. It was one of the harder pitches to grade because he didn't command it well. Nobody chased it. And, and here's the thing, too. 56% strike rate on the curveball last year. This year, thus far, almost a 70% strike rate on the curveball. Chase rate was 20%. Chase rate is now 26%. Swinging strike rate is up 8%. So and the velocity is up 1.5 miles per hour, so almost two ticks. So you just saw a curveball go from a 50-grade pitch to a 70-grade pitch. Yeah. The fastball just went from a 40 to 45-grade pitch to a 55-60-grade pitch. Yep. So you've got two pitches ticking up by 20 like grade points. I don't know the exact terminology to refer to that, but you've got two pitches and his two main pitches pretty much ticking up to the point where they are good offerings. Curveball is a great offering. 
That's an improvement. That might be the the leader in the clubhouse for most improved this offseason. Yeah, I think we had a 50 50 slash 55 on the curveball just because it just was he wasn't commanding it that well. Or maybe it was one of those like 50 with the 60 future because you could see the shape, but you just couldn't see the consistency there. The fact that his strike rate has jumped by 10 more than 10 percent, I think almost 15 percent on that is insane. Uh, the fact that it's nastier is insane. And then the fact that his fastball velocity is ticked up. 98. His fastball velocity is ticked up on average two miles per hour. His max is, is way up. His strike rate is up more than 5%. And then the reason why the fastball grade really jumped is that he's got the four-seamer that's way better, but then also is using this sinker that has been this like hitter's counter racer, has helped him get more ground balls, and has helped him just, just be a more well-rounded pitcher. This is a guy that looks like he figured it out. And it's funny because the reason why I feel like Libertor was a bonus prospect fatigue candidate was the fact that he was traded after being drafted in the first round. Uh, And then after the COVID layoff, he was a 2018 draft pick, right? 2019, he pitches in in low A. Then he gets traded to the Cardinals. And the Cardinals do the Cardinals thing that they do after the COVID layoff. He goes straight to triple. So he goes to triple. He holds his own there. And then the next year, he's 22 in triple. Uh, teams have a full year of data on him, and more advanced hitters laid off the curveball and made his life more difficult and tried to make him use the fastball to beat him. He couldn't do that. His fastball wasn't good enough. So 2022 was kind of a lost year in AAA. So then we come back to this year, and now it's technically his third stint, and everyone's like, oh, my gosh, he's in AAA again. Would it have been better if he just dominated high A in 2021 and then dominated double A in 2022 and then just got to triple A in 2023? So while I while we were harsh on Libby, I think it was kind of a learning experience for us, too, in terms of like you got to take every guy's path into consideration. And the Cardinals probably I don't know if if you could say they did him dirty because it might be part of the reason of why he's so nasty now. So you don't want to question that. And they've done such a good job of developing prospects. But it did kind of do him dirty in terms of like the public perception of him, because I don't think people saw it that way, including us. But it's just impossible to deny the quality of stuff that we're seeing right now. Uh, The swing and miss backs it up. The fact that he's pounding the strike zone more with an uptick and stuff. What else do you want from a guy, really? And he's still a young 23 years old. He will be up in the big leagues and he will be a big part of this Cardinals rotation, I think, this year. Bro, I can't believe that he's in his third year in triple and he's 23. You would think he's 28 by now. Prospect fatigue. That's that's where that's a perfect example. 78, a guy that you know very well, and I'm excited to hear you talk about a current Indianapolis Indian. Luis Ortiz, right-handed pitching prospect, Pittsburgh Pirates. A $25,000 IFA guy in 2019. I love me some cheap international free agents. Rafaela was a $10,000 guy. Yes. Yeah, he was basically free. Uh, Luis Ortiz is nasty. Hey, you know that. You can speak to it. All, all kind of color in with the stuff. This is somebody that if you look at the Fangraphs page, you're probably like, oh, really? Like him over Graceffo or some of the other guys? Like his numbers aren't as good. This guy has still not reached his potential. And I think that's the scariest part is because if it all clicks for Luis Ortiz, he is a number two, number three type, you know, maybe, maybe closer to a number two type. But the thing that I really like about him is even if it doesn't all click, 
he's going to get enough ground balls and swing and miss to be a back end of the rotation guy that frustrates you at times with the command, but still will get enough outs to, to be a, a back end guy. I don't think that there is a guy that looks like Luis Ortiz in Major League Baseball right now because he's got a two-pitch mix like Javier, but he's got the fastball like Fromber. Like it's a bowling ball of a fastball. So like, tell me if you know a Major League starting pitcher that has a mid to high 90s fastball that can consistently get up to 100, 101, 102 that sinks and is heavy and gets so much contact on the ground And then he's got a swing and miss at will slider. He's a two-pitch guy. He's run into some issues in that regard. But that just pairing, like the pitch mix of the fastball and the slider, like a 100-mile-an-hour sinker and a great slider that righties cannot make contact with to save their lives, I don't think there's a major league starter built like that right now. Jose Urania. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny, though, because when Urania came up, it was like, 97 mile an hour fastball the slot he didn't have the slider uh but there's there's times where you know i, I think about that and i'm like man that guy could have been so good but but that aside the slider is way better than 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 most guys that you're going to see with that kind of sinker it's funny because TrackMan data labels his, his fastballs differently uh he, he has one that has even more sink and then one that's more dead zoney but like it's 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 fine because you it works at the top of the zone when you got to worry about everything else breaking downwards I really think he could kind of cut himself from that that cloth of a lot of Marlins pitchers with that turbo changeup type, you know, that 90 mile an hour changeup. He's just got to find it. Uh, and and it, it's hard for guys to find that, to, to, to have that confidence in throwing your changeup 91 miles an hour. But we've seen guys like Sandy, Edward Cabrera do it really well. I don't know if there's more examples outside of the Marlins org, but I know the Marlins org are kind of, you know, the pioneers. And when it comes to the, uh, to the turbo changeups, Yuri Perez is, is another one that's already doing that too. Uh, yeah. Ortiz. It's a, it's really about the command for me. Cause I think with the sinker, the slider, and then a, a four seamer that it can buzz at the top of the zone and, and a changeup that he can mix in, even if it's fringy, like that should be enough to, to get out as a number four type starter. Uh, the command, man, it, it, he's so far this season, he's landed the, the fastball for a strike around 56, 57 percent of the time. That, OK, it's just not going to work, but that might be skewed from one bad outing. Uh, you know, it's, but it's, even last year, I, I could pull a larger sample size last year and it was better. So I, I'm interested in your thoughts on that, because I have not watched his starts as closely as you have. I've only seen snippets. Yeah, I, I can tell you that it is skewed from one bad three-hitter sequence. This guy was untouchable for his first two starts, and I want to say the first three innings of his third start, which was an 11.05 a.m. first pitch on Oof. Wednesday, which just sucks. Um, so, like, Ortiz had to deal with that, and he was through three excellent innings. He had a tough luck base runner. And then I think it was Andrew Bechtold hit a home run the other way against him. And and he, you know, got out in front, cheated to get to a fastball and just poked it out just over the wall. Ortiz followed with 10 straight fastballs and 10 straight balls. So he walked two guys on eight pitches and then started 2-0. And he, he thankfully got out of the inning after that. But he was very flustered by that home run. Um which is unfortunate because like you could see it clear as day. And typically you can't see guys that are flustered, but guys that have some, I guess, like, I don't know, quick memory maturing to do, you you do see them get flustered. So that was a little worrisome. 
Um, but you, you hope that he runs into adversity again at some point soon and he corrects that and, and he yeah. immediately gets that guy out. And I think you just have to do that once or twice to feel good about that. So that was a little worrying. And that's what kind of docks that that fastball strike rate. Uh, if you take that 10 pitch sequence out, I mean, he's probably landing that fastball for a strike in the in the 70 percent range. So. Yeah, and he's getting ground balls like crazy. So if he can get the ground balls, I think he's not going to get as many strikeouts as you'd expect because of that pitch, which is okay because a slider will be the bailout, uh, you know, go get him pitch that is the put away offering. But when you've got something like that, that sinker, you look at an early Sandy Alcantara. That's how he got outs in the beginning. So, you know, and that's still how he gets outs. And that's why his strikeout numbers are not always as high as you'd expect. So I, I'm excited to see what Ortiz does. You can find high ground ball rate with a decent amount of whiffs, and you got a pretty darn good pitcher. As I consult the book here, first three innings for Ortiz on Wednesday, my Bob Carpenter baseball scorebook. Long live the Bob Carpenter. Um, St. Paul against Ortiz, first three innings. Ground out, strikeout, ground ball, single, strikeout. Ground ball, ground ball, fly ball, strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. And then the first hitter of the fourth was a ground ball. Yeah, see, that'll play. <laughs> that plays. That plays. I'm in on that. Um, next up, Connor Norby, second base prospect, Baltimore Orioles. I, I, I always talk about how much I love this guy's swing out of the draft. I love so many ECU players, what they do over there when it comes to the hit tool, when it comes to being able to kind of effortlessly tap into, into power. Uh, I will probably always be high now on, on ECU hitting prospects. But Norby, man, when he, him and Burleson, seeing those two guys come out, I was like, those are two guys that are just going to hit. They're just simply going to hit. And they both have. Uh, those guys have both been some of my favorite prospects and both have, have been awesome. So it's been fun to see them kind of progress. Norby, whenever you're waiting for him to kind of come back down to earth, he just doesn't. They, there is no back down to earth. I think he's just a really, really good hitter. He's got the potential to be one of the better offensive second basemen in the game. He's 22 years old, has already hit his way to AAA last year, and now starts this year in AAA. What he has just continued to do in 2021, he was drafted. So he, he came straight from college, plays 21 games in low A, mashes. Then he starts the 2022 season, gets off to a bit of a slow start in high A, kind of reminds me of the Matt Mervis progression because then he goes to double A and is way better there. Hits a stride, 157 WRC plus there, 17 home runs. And he gets called up to triple A for 10 games and was even better there for that stretch. He hit four home runs in, in nine games to be exact. He's played nine games thus far in AAA. He's hitting 308 again. So he's well over a 300 hitter through his first 18 career uh, AAA games with six homers. Um, this guy rakes a little bit more swing and miss to start the year. Not too worried about that. Um, he has kind of kept the strikeout rate in check uh, all of last year and in his pro debut. He's always going to strike out around 20, 25% of the time, but I think it'll always hang around that range. I see him as a 50 to 55 grade hitter. Uh, the, the zone contact rates would would implicate 55 great hitter he's 85 86 percent zone contact uh he's just been a little aggressive to start the season but what i love about norby is pretty effortless power for a guy that's pretty compact he's six foot 180 190 pounds but he lifts the ball only a 38 percent ground ball rate and just drives it to all fields with authority and just one of those guys that just you can get if you get spin rates on batted balls, which I think you 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 can. I don't know if I have access to that. 
I guarantee he'd be one of the higher spin rate batted ball guys because the ball just carries off of his bat. To be honest, Jack, Connor Norby is everything I thought Nick Gonzalez was going to be. Yeah. They, wow. What a way to tee me in on Connor Norby. <laughs> um, wow. Spin, spin rate on batted balls. Um, interesting. If you don't have access to that, I definitely don't have access to that. I, 29 homers from a second baseman is really cool, man. And like, you know, you think, all right, that's Ugla, but Ugla struck out a billion times. Connor Norby doesn't strike out a billion times. He, he sucked at defense. What? And he sucked at defense. Yeah, though. Norby doesn't suck at defense, which is cool. So, you know, Norby, like, yes, you mentioned he's caught the K-bug early, 14 Ks in, in nine games so far. He's only walked twice in 43 plate appearances, which is pretty interesting as well because this is always a guy that will draw his walks. But, yeah. I mean, he's hitting 310 right now, and he hit 280. He hit 280 a year ago. With a 360 OBP, and he had those 29 homers. He had 16 bags as well. So, you know, I'm honestly looking at a guy that, like, is maybe an Ozzy Albies light right now. He's not a switch hitter, obviously, but, I mean, he's giving you the same output at the minor league level that Albies is giving Atlanta at the major league level. I like that comp, honestly. I think he's going to walk a little bit more which is interesting. Uh, he might not be as athletic. So you compromise yeah. that. That's a fine trade-off for me. Uh, I, I think that is that offensive-minded guy that you, you wonder how he hits 25 home runs, but he does. Yeah, like That's that's exactly – I like the comp. And it's just how compact and, and consistent he is with his swing. His moves are so simple. The two-strike ECU approach where it's spread him out, you know, just pick up the toe and go – like that, it just works, and and this is a really good two strike hitter too. So I'm not worried about him there. Uh, he's really kind of heated heated up over the last few games as well. Had a two hit game, three hit game. It's worth noting he had to like open up his season against Taj Bradley, who I think he took deep, and then yeah, had yeah. to face Patino, and then had to face uh, Gwinnett, which is annoying because that's the Braves affiliate, and they've got a bunch of just guys that are up and down from the big leagues. Yeah. So they, they, it's an it's been an interesting start for him. He's 22. Uh, so the, the, he's got a lot of time, too. But he's someone that I think is pretty close to big league ready. And uh, if they didn't have such a log jam, could be called up by the end of the year. I do wonder maybe if he's a trade chip, given the presence of Ortiz, who can play short. Most of their other guys can play other positions. Norby is just a second baseman, a solid one. But maybe you could play him at third and that's it. You don't really need a third baseman, though. I do wonder if Norby is one of the trade chips here because, you know, I'd rather have a Westberg who can play all over. I'd rather have some of these other guys that are a little bit more dynamic, but I love the bat in Norby, and I think a lot of teams out there would too, uh, who want to trade pitching, pitching <clears throat> Michael Elias as you option Cole Irvin, your big addition to your rotation this offseason. Pitching. Hey, man, Kyle Connor Gibson was the big addition. Yeah, it was Kyle Gibson, yeah, and 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 Cole Irvin. Um, um, who would be a great addition for Norfolk. You know, it's actually backwards for me. I, I think that Norby is the one that stays, as weird as it sounds, because they already have a shortstop surplus, right? They've got Gunner who can play short. If they move Gunner to third, then you're dealing with Mateo and Joey Ortiz. Norby is a true second baseman I kind of like. I think Westberg is the odd man out. If you like Norby's bat better than Westberg based on that rationale, then yes. Yeah. Otherwise, because like I think Westbrook could go play second and play it at a high level. Right. But if you like Norby's bat better, then, yeah, you shouldn't let defense make that decision because you are so set at shortstop. I think that's a great point. Um, I wonder whose bat they do like better. 
Yeah. I would love to be able to ask Michael Elias that off the record, just out of curiosity, because those are two bats that are really good in different ways. Right. Um, a guy that was <laughs> incredible the other day uh, and and is finally getting getting going after a slow start to the season. Uh, Owen Casey, outfield prospect, Chicago Cubs. It, it's got to be said, right? We are. I think we at just baseball are higher than on Owen Casey than anybody else. That's got to be the case, right? I don't. I don't know if, if anybody has Owen Casey ranked higher than we do. I think most most barely have him in the Cubs top ten, which is blasphemous, by the way. He hit three home runs the other night. He had another double or triple last night. Uh, yes, he's been striking out more than I'd like to see in the early going. But what you said about Kevin Alcantara as a twenty year old in high A. Owen Casey's a 20-year-old in double-A and just went yard three times. Yes, he's striking out. I think he's going to smooth that out. I'm not too worried about that. Three home run game. One of the home runs left at 113 miles an hour. One of them was a grand slam. And he already has three batted balls this season over 110. He hits the crap out of the ball. I, I think this is one of the most underrated plus-plus power guys in the minor leagues. I don't know why people pretend that Owen Casey doesn't have plus plus power. I have no idea why. Uh, yes, the hit tool is a question. We'll see. But we're talking about a 20-year-old in double A, left-handed hitter with plus plus power and high-end makeup and and a decent approach. Like I, I, I don't understand why why this guy is not on just about every top 100 list. This is your guy. Is it cool if I hop on the bandwagon? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Like uh, <laughs> this guy. I'm trying to sell him to other people, man. Like, why is this guy not giving getting more attention? He is so good. He has crazy he's 6'4, too. He has room for more power. He yeah. might he might hit balls 118 soon. So Casey is yes, you are higher than anybody else in the industry on Casey. Um prospectus has him at 80. Right now, uh, you've got him at 76. Coach, Prospectus is always with us on the hot takes. I, yeah. It's always funny. So so Prospectus is the only other one that has Casey as a top 100 guy. Um, Owen Casey, 25 plate appearances so far. I want to walk you through what's happened in those 25 plate appearances. 14 strikeouts. So we're down to 11 plate appearances to work with. Two singles. We're down to nine. A double down to eight. A triple down to seven. Four homers were down to three. So three plate appearances have not resulted in a base hit, a walk, or a strikeout. <laughs> Love funny. that. And six of his eight hits are for extra bases. So his last two games, to your point, his last two games, four homers, a triple. <laughs> That's five hits. Uh, he struck out three times. The strikeouts <laughs> are definitely a, a red flag. But – He's 20 in double A. Again, if you put this guy in high A, he would be working dudes. And then you'd say, oh, my gosh, he's the best up and coming guy. Like, that's the thing is we challenge these prospects. They respond kind of well, but seem challenged by the challenge. Oh, my goodness. And then we look at them differently. He's 20. Here's the biggest disconnect between the old school and the new school. And I've dealt with this, you know, with with another player actually very recently. Um Owen Casey, yes, he's punched out 14 times in 25 plate appearances. Like, that is not good, and, and that's no. not sustainable. That That's, you know, unacceptable. But the way he can make it acceptable is by OPSing 1,300 in six games. So the results are there. He's helping his team win. His outs are strikeouts. Like, you could have productive outs instead, 
but like you can't tell me that he's not off to to a good start when he's OPSing thirteen hundred. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I yeah. think that's the difference between new school and traditional baseball thinking. A hundred percent. And here's the thing too: is like if if you're gonna like say, oh, well, it's a small sample size for the home runs and the power and whatever. It's a small you sample gotta- size for the strikeouts. Correct. Correct. That's exactly what I was gonna say. So I, I think he's always gonna punch out a little bit. Yeah, but we just saw him as as a 19 year old in high A, keep the strikeout rate under 30 percent. It was 28 percent, and and he put up a 113 WRC plus as a 19 year old in high A. And that's why I, that was another reason why I liked him better than than Alcantara. He put up better numbers in high A at the same age as Alcantara in low A. You know, so to me, this is a guy that's a little bit more advanced and is already putting up better exit velocities, and they're the same age. Not quite as athletic. The defense is coming along though. He's got a good arm. Uh, and I think he can be an average defender in a corner. Very excited to see how the season continues for Owen Casey. Yep. Going from Owen Casey to Casey Schmidt, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite prospects in baseball right now. Um, this is the best defensive infielder in minor league baseball. I, I, I don't think that there's much debate there. Uh, Casey Schmidt of the San Francisco Giants is just a human highlight reel. Beyond that, he played shortstop when Marco Luciano was hurt last year and was a human highlight reel at shortstop too. He was, he was so fun to watch. I have the thread, which I, I, you should, if you haven't seen my thread, this is one of my favorite threads I put together. It's in his write-up. You can go ch- like click it uh, under his write-up where I put the whole thread together of all of the different plays that show off how dynamic Casey Schmidt is because it was the plus plus arm. It was the athleticism to make throws from all of these different positions. It's the, the reactions to make crazy picks. This dude is a born to play defense in the infield and the bat keeps getting better too. Now it looks like he has an above average power potential. He has above average field to hit that continues to get better. Uh, Casey Schmidt is going to be a, I think an everyday third baseman who accumulates war with the best of them because of how good the glove is. I'm, I'm just a huge fan of this guy. And then he just absolutely mashes. And he killed spring training. Yeah. Killed it. Um, he was like making his case to be on the opening day roster. Um, but he's not. He's in Sacramento. Um, Casey Schmidt is a top 100 prospect on one other publication. And he is the number 94 prospect on... Baseball prospectus? <laughs> no way. <laughs> That's I love crazy. It. We gotta go I, hit those guys up. I we gotta love be it. like, yeah, like there's there's some there's some synergy here. <laughs> uh-huh. We gotta collab. So Schmidt last year walked 48 times in 126 games. I love his start in Sacramento. It's like objectively hilarious. Casey Schmidt has 18 hits in 12 games, 13 driven in. So he's hitting 353. He's got a 352 OBP. It's just hilarious. So he's got 18 hits. He's got one walk. And I think he's been thrown out trying to stretch a single into a double, which is why uh, the OBP is lower than the batting average this go around. So Casey Schmidt, I I think, is making his case like, hey, man, if you're going to stick me in Sacramento, I'm going to hit my way to San Francisco because I thought I hit my way there when I was in Arizona for spring training. I'm going to do it now. San Francisco is not a good lineup at all. If you're watching Giants games right now, you understand why they just gave Logan Webb a, a five-year, $90 million extension about an hour ago. I mean, oh, like... shit, they did? I didn't even see that. Yeah, they did. Logan Webb, five years, $90 million. But you understand, like, they need to secure any talent they have on this roster 
because there isn't much in that lineup right now. Jock Peterson, again, is on a one-year deal. He accepted the qualifying offer. So Schmidt, I I think at some point they're going to be like, dude, screw it. We got to start putting talent in this lineup. My one issue is to to what you said about the the on-base aggressive and he's been super aggressive super aggressive i think he's feeling himself too though he had a phenomenal spring as you mentioned and he he, he's really really consistent in the box right now he's adjusted his setup now to if you see he starts upright and then really sinks into his back hip he does it early sees the ball early and now he's tapping into more power he pummeled one in spring training but these moves, I think, have him seeing the ball earlier. And I talked about this with Alec Burleson with the two-strike approach. He said the only drawback with the no stride is he sees the ball so early that his swing rate goes up big time. And I think Schmidt is reaping the rewards of this new move, this early move, but also is like got to tone it down a little bit and realize, okay, I'm seeing the ball early. doesn't mean I need to swing at it. That said, he's swinging at a lot of stuff. He's hitting 353. So it's like, what are you going to tell him? Stop? That's the thing. Like, if, if feeling himself looks like 18 hits in 12 games, I'll take it. Something crazy, and I want your thoughts on this. So when we had Casey Schmidt on the podcast last year, and hopefully we'll get him back on soon, I was asking him about the shortstop thing. I was like, is that is that like a real thing? Or He said, no, no, I think I'm just filling in for Marco. They're going to have me, you know, when Luciano was hurt, I think they're going to have me go back to third. They did have him go back to third. But so far this season, Jack, he has made five starts at third and six starts at shortstop for AAA Sacramento. What do you think about that? Um, I think that he is very versatile, and I think that the Giants need talent wherever they can get it. David VR is hitting 211. He's the starting third baseman right now. Brandon Crawford is hitting 206. He's the starting shortstop right now. So I think that, yeah, I just think it's fascinating that they, I think it might say a little bit about what they think the timeline is for Marco Luciano, who's again, injured to start the season. And I think it says a lot about how they feel about Casey Schmidt's glove and what they saw in the 40 game sample of him filling in a shortstop there last year. He can play a high level shortstop at the big league level. I really do believe that if he's now a shortstop, there's less power or there's less pressure on the bat and the power. And all of a sudden, he might be an even higher regarded prospect because even if he's a 110 WRC plus guy, I think he could be an above average to plus defender at short. So this is a special talent. And I'm really interested to see how the Giants decide to use him because right now he's splitting time between third and short, which is pretty damn cool. You need a contingency plan for 36 year old Brandon Crawford. Like we are at the end, I think, of Brandon Crawford's starting shortstop for the Giants tenure. They thought the plan was going to align perfectly with Marco Luciano's progression. Uh, Luciano has not progressed according to plan. So I think that they want their contingency plan. And I think that this is a hell of a contingency plan. And I think this is a big reason why he's not in the big leagues right now. I really do. I think it's they want him to get more reps at short. It would be ridiculous to throw him into the fire at, at shortstop at the big leagues. He's played 40 games at shortstop in high A. Can I he's just say getting, he's getting reps there at the triple A level? How often do you draft a third baseman who then you can move to short? It's no, the other way around. Casey Schmidt's fucking trends, man. I, I I'm, I'm he's one of my favorite guys to watch in the minors. Other thing is, we're such assholes right now. We're an hour, five minutes in, and we still have four guys to go. I know, I know, but we we can't be. We got to finish, right? We just got to go through it. What do yes, we do? Yes. Okay. Yes. Let's truck through it. Go through seventy-one. 
Jordan Westberg, shortstop, Baltimore Orioles. We just talked about him. So Westberg, a little bit less. I'd say the hit tool is right there with Norby. I think right about the same conversation, maybe a slight tick behind. I'd say the power is right about the same. He's faster and he's a more dynamic fielder because he can play an average shortstop. He can play above average third. He can probably play fantastic second base. Heck, I think you could throw Westberg in center field. Like I think he is that super utility type. Um, he's just a good hitter, though. I, the power is legit above average, uh, and he gets into it really well, which is something that I love about him is, is he lifts the ball. He's continued to get better at doing that. Uh, and so far to start the season, he's looked really solid. He's already got three home runs. He was great in AAA last year. Um, I, I'm a big fan of Westberg's, and this is somebody that's just a really, really – well-rounded player it's kind of 50s across the board which is always a fun prospect yeah i mean westberg 138 games last year 39 doubles 27 homers 106 driven in i i do think it's splitting hairs like norby or westberg and you mentioned you want to ask mike elias you know who he thinks the better hitter is norby or westberg because off the dome you probably can't pick one no you know what i mean like i can't pick one either they kind of hit similarly um, yeah. So, I, yeah, like I would want to know what the O's think about Norby and Westberg. So I, I just find him so fascinating because he's such a well-rounded ball player. Like he was a Mississippi State guy. He was drafted in 2020. Westberg screams SEC shortstop that has progressed wonderfully in professional yeah. baseball. He was a blast to watch on the Cape. And that's why I really caught the Westberg bug when he's he, a I, I think hawk. I've told the story, I think, where he got cut from Team USA. You know, instead of coming in sulking, he comes in with, with a fire lit under him and hits two bombs uh, in his first game on the Cape and for, for the Harbor Hawks. Interesting note, he's played everywhere already. I think he, if someone goes down, I do think he's the next man up. And that's why they're getting him primed everywhere. He's played shortstop, third, second, left, wow, and then second and second again. So uh, that I mean, is the guy that, that could they could kind of bring up and and help them, you know, make that push. Uh, and that'd be a great super utility guy to have on this team right now. Can he start some games for them? Can he pitch? <laughs> that's the one thing they're missing, man. <laughs> that's the one thing they're missing. You could trade him for some pitching. Speaking of pitching. A guy that's on the shelf yeah. right now and would be probably a top five pitching prospect in base. I, he would he could have a case at being in the same grouping as the Gunner or sorry the Grayson, the Yuri, the Painter. Daniel Espino checks into seventy three of the Cleveland Guardians. This is one of the most talented pitching prospects I've seen. I, I was ready to to anoint him number one pitching prospect in baseball last year. Going into the year, I fell in love with this stuff. It's a fastball that's easily could be an 80-grade fastball. It's mid to upper 90s with 21 inches of induced vertical break. That's pretty much an 80. That's Bryce Miller, maybe, and then some. Uh, the slider is elite. The changeup is good. The curveball is above average. And the command even and got a lot better. But we haven't seen him throw. We've, talk, we've talked about it, right? It was a knee, but it wasn't really a knee. It turned out that it was the shoulder. Then he's coming back from the, oh, by the way, shoulder. And then he, he has another shoulder flare-up. And then now he's out again with a shoulder. Just too much risk here with the injury to have him any higher than 73. He's a top 20 talent and top 20 prospect talent, top four prospect arm talent. But unfortunately, the way we are ranking these guys is you wouldn't trade 72 for 73. And with the risk at this point on Espino, it's really hard to, to say that, you know, I would take him over 
70 other guys given the shoulder issues on top of the knee. The last time we saw Daniel Espino, he started four games and struck out 35 and walked four in 18 innings. Struck out 35 guys in 18 innings. He faced 68 hitters. He punched out 35 of them. But the last time we saw him pitch was on April 29th, 2022. And we may not see him pitch at all in 2023, which is terrifying. And that's why he's 73. I'm with you. Like, I have nothing more to add. He's got an electric fastball, an insane slider. He's a hell, man. He could have been a top 10 pitcher. He could have been a top 10 prospect overall in the game if he was healthy going into this year and he was in Columbus. Uh, But he's not. And that's why he's in the in the low 70s. We had him at like 20, I think, going into last year. And then he started the way he started. I'm like, holy shit, this guy's going to be top five. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) top 10. And unfortunately, he is hurt. Wish him a speedy recovery. Hopefully he can come back. It's just you have no idea what his stuff's even going to look like when he comes back. There's just so a lot of variables there. But, man, that one, that one's a gut punch for sure. Yes. 72, Everson Pereira, New York Yankees. We got a GIF here and a really fun swing. This dude's power is game-changing. His defensive ability in center is very solid. He's a good runner. His upside is immense as a center fielder in this Yankees organization. He's just turned 22 years old. Like, he just, just turned 22 years old. He's gone through stretches where he hits a home run every other game. When he gets hot, it's like Kyle Schwarber-type run uh, when he really gets going there. Uh, He's off to a pretty good start this year. He was really young for double A last year, struck out 30% of the time, but in those 29 games hit five homers and, and hit 283. He's going to strike out a lot, but he's going to walk a fair amount. He's going to give you a ton of power. He's going to play a good center field. Uh, He's a really fun outfield prospect who has monster offensive upside. Yeah. When you say just, just, just turned 22 years old, like happy belated birthday, Everson Pereira, it was on Monday. Um, (laughs) So he's, he's as young at 22 as you could possibly find. Like, Hey, he's Ronnie Mauricio's age. Um, Everson (laughs) Pereira is kind of a wild card for me because I haven't had much exposure to Yankees affiliates. So like I haven't seen much Pereira at all, but just from doing the stat dives and watching uh, the gifts that I can and watching the videos that I can, this guy looks like a really good athlete overall. And that's a guy that can play in the outfield. I guess when you look big picture, does he have a spot? You know what I mean? And I think the answer is no, because you've got judge for the next nine years. Then you've got, you know, Dominguez, who's a better prospect than Pereira. And then a couple others that like are I'd, taking Spencer Jones. Spencer Jones might already be leapfrogging him. Yeah, Pereira's, Pereira's a trade chip, I think. But yeah, you know, in a vacuum, Pereira the player, I I would love to get him in a return. I would love to get him in a return. There's risk, but this guy has all star upside. Last year, as a 21 year old, posted several exit velocities over 110. He hit a home run 470 feet. He's foul pulled a foul pull. What stands out the most to me is the way he's able to pull his hands in on inside pitches. He gets extended on outside pitches. The plate coverage is good. He needs to get the ball in the air a bit more consistently, but he hits the snot out of the ball. Uh, I, I think he's going to be someone that, you know, probably a low batting average, 230, 240 type hitter, but could hit you 25, 30 home runs, get on base at a solid clip and play everyday center field. That's a fun player, and that's a valuable player. Uh, so I'm interested to see how the hit tool continues to progress. It's fringy, and that's the one thing that's kind of missing. For him, but if he's an even close to an average hitter, 
everything else is going to play. Yeah. Last one. <laughs> kind of the opposite type of prospect. That's why these are so funny. Drew Romo, catcher, Colorado Rockies. Maybe the least power in this entire top 100 list. Like, I, I'm, I'm not kidding. I, maybe less power than some of the pitchers in this list. <laughs> but Drew Romo is such a good catcher and such a, an advanced hitter kind of bucks the trend of high school catchers, right? We always see all these high school catchers that are so high risk. Drew Romo is, is very low risk. He's a switch hitter with good bat-to-ball skills who's 21 years old, already projects as a plus catcher, and, and has the makeup to back it all up. 35th overall pick in 2020, has progressed very nicely. Not the offensive season you would have loved to see from Romo last year, but even if he's a 700 OPS guy at the big league level, the, the defense that he's going to bring is, is going to be enough for him to be a really solid prospect. 88% zone contacts last year, 87%, I think, something around there. Really solid. I'd imagine he'll grow into at least a little bit more power. If he could grow into fringe power with all of the space he has in the gaps in cores, he's going to be pretty good. 21-year-old getting annihilated in double-A. Are you yeah. 21-year-old catcher getting annihilated in double-A? Are you shocked? No, <laughs> like, talking about the catchers, it's it's a big uh, it's a big jump to me. It's it's a huge jump. So like, yeah, I'm not. I mean, he's played five games with with the Yard Goats um, so far this year. Teammates with Zach Veen and uh, in Bernabel or Amador. I think Bernabel. Bernabel. It's Bernabel. Amador's yeah, in the high A. Amador's in Spokane. I want to say yeah. So. I mean, Romo is like catching double-A pitching at 21 years old. He's three years younger than the league average hitter there, and, and he started three for 20. Don't slam the panic button yet, man. I love this Rocky system because they've got guys like, okay, Veen, high ceiling, really low floor. But then you got guys like Tovar, limited ceiling, excellent floor. Yeah. Guys like Romo, limited ceiling, excellent floor as a catcher. Amador, crazy high ceiling, but like, you know, a low floor. The Rockies are doing a good job with their system. Somehow, 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 somehow. And Romo, here's the thing. I guess floor is, again, probably like a like a fine average catcher. Like I, he's going to spray the ball enough. The defense is great. And even with this slow start, he's only struck out four times. Dude, is his floor Francisco Mejia? Like Mejia is good enough. To <laughs> Mejia hits the ball harder. I don't know what his floor is. I don't know. I don't know what his I, like Caratini. <laughs> his floor is probably Victor Caratini. No, that's a bigger dude. Like that, it is. Floor, floor is the bottom. We we always have to do. We have to. I always have to remind you. Floor is the bottom. Yeah. Like I give you a shitty floor, and you're like, oh, I'm like it's the floor. Yeah, that's like worst case scenario. I mean, if we said Kelnick's floor was like what it was, I mean, we'd be panicking. But now it looks like his ceiling. Yeah. So I mean, I think he's got more more of a ceiling now. It, it, it's a plus hit tool that he could potentially have here. So hitter with zero power or switch hitter catcher plus defender plus makeup plus hit tool no power you don't usually see that it's usually like no hit tool all power run into it like zanino type like we comp every catching prospect to zanino now it's cool to see the opposite here and yeah romo's gonna progress he's got plenty of time and he's got room to grow a little bit physically he also stole 18 bags on 21 tries last year he's he's a sneaky athlete I, I guess you can dream on poor man's Gabby Moreno with Drew Romo. 
Yeah, you could dream on, on poor man's Gabby Moreno. Okay. I hate that. Cool. Caratini. <laughs> you know, I hate that. Switch yeah. hitter. I had to think of a switch hitting catcher, too, uh, who's a good defender. Jonah Heim. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> And that'll do it. We hit 71 here. Uh, we'll have 70 to 65 next time. 66. 55. Next time. 65 next time. 55. Five, five. Oh, sorry. Five, this is sorry. where I got screwed up. I kept on saying 70 to 45, but it's sorry. 70 to 55. So we'll have 70 to 55 next time. Also, a quick plug. Check out So Rare MLB. We've had a lot of fun doing stuff with them. It's it's free to enter fantasy baseball basically every week. You pick your lineup. You can build your collection of, of digital collectibles there. Plug your players into lineups and then win rewards like VIP experience, merch, tickets, Ethereum rewards. And then, of course, you, when you have a good lineup, you earn a card that you can plug into your lineup and then win more. So it's really fun. Link is in the description here. I really enjoy playing it. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a little bit more of a rundown on it on the next call-up episode, but I wanted to plug So Rare MLB. It is very, very fun, uh, and, and it's free to enter. You just put your lineup in, see how they do, and if they do really well, you can win some awesome rewards. I really love it. So that's it from me. Jack, any final thoughts on this band of prospects? Um, I love that we started with James Outman and ended with Drew Romo. I kind of love those guys' bookends. They're so funny. That's the beautiful thing about top 100 lists. We'll talk to you with 70 through 55 or 56-ish on Monday. Looking forward to doing that. Until then, have a great weekend. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you Monday. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.